We're back. Too tidy. And welcome back to another episode of the Saturday Six Podcast. I am AJ. He is Tyler. We are back to talk college football again. What's up, my brother? How you doing? Hey, you guys. <laughs> I'm doing good, man. This is this, this is a good week for college football. There's a couple games that have huge playoff implications, and there's a couple tune-up games before we get to playoff implications next week. So um, we've got a lot in store for you guys today. Yeah, lots of good stuff to look forward to. We'll recap last week's games that we picked against the spread. We'll talk about uh, new college football playoff rankings that dropped, as well as pick six new games against the spread. Um, before we start, actually, I wanted to remind you guys, uh, first, follow us on Instagram at Saturday6Pod. Um, very important that you do that so you can see um, all of the graphics that we put up, our picks against the spread. We um, like to post things on there. So do that also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Make sure that you give us a follow, subscribe. And give us a rating, too, if you would, please. So um, without further ado, let's go back to our picks. Last week, we picked six against the spread, and we did well, my brother. How you feeling uh, after a four and two week against the spread and uh, three and three straight up? I went three and three against the spread and three and three straight up as well. I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm still reaching for that six and a oh week, that that perfect pick week. Uh, has eluded both of us so far, but yeah. four and two is respectable. I mean, that's the thing with, with betting against the spread is, you know, you, you never know. I mean, we can give our analysis all day long, but, you know, there's nothing guaranteed in college football. Yeah, I mean, if I can hit 500 or like one game over 500 against the spread for the season, honestly, I'll take that. So uh, we're sitting pretty right now, right around that 500 mark. But um, like we said, uh, we picked six of them. The first of those being an SEC showdown that although uh, – the ramifications were a little um, less serious after LSU knocked off Arkansas. Barely, but they did it. Um, there was still a lot to play for here. Alabama going on the road against Ole Miss. Former Lane, uh, former Nick Saban assistant Lane Kiffin showing off against his former master there. And it was the Tide that were favored by 11 and a half points on the road. We both said, I don't like 11 and a half. I'm going to take Ole Miss to cover, but Bama should win this one straight up. That is exactly what happened. Ole Miss covers, but Bama wins 30 to 24. Um, I thought this game was – I thought we were spot on in our analysis, if, if I can give us some credit. I thought uh, both teams tried to establish the run, and uh, the team that we thought might do better in that category was the one that prevailed. Yeah, it's just the same old story with Alabama. Uh, they start off slow. They really didn't get Jameer Gibbs the ball too much to start out, uh, mm -hmm. which let Ole Miss hang in there. And then same old, same old Alabama this season with the with the penalties, shooting themselves in their foot, made this a little bit closer game than they liked, but they do get the win. Yeah, big solid win there. Um, Jameer Gibbs, he got banged up early in that game, so you saw Jace McClellan, the two, come in and take over. Um, he did well, but uh, really it was – it was Bryce Young just putting on that Superman cape, right? Like we've seen him do time and time again this year. At one point, um, Ole Miss has a lead in that game, and Alabama just comes storming back, and uh, it was the Bryce Young show there down the stretch. So big win for the Tide, although it looks like both of these teams more than likely are going to be on the outside of the playoff looking in. 
Hashtag fire Bill O'Brien. Yeah. I know some Bama fans that uh, would jump on that in a heartbeat. Um, but moving on to the AAC, we thought this might be a good matchup because uh, although it's not a Power 5 conference, the Group of 5 champion, the Group of 5 team with the best record at the end of the regular season, does make a New Year's Six Bowl game. So there was a lot to play for in this UCF-Tulane matchup. Um, between the two teams, only three losses on the season. It was the home team, the Tulane team, that was favored by two. Um, 3.30 kickoff last weekend. And again, we were kind of spot on with this one because we thought that it was the road team, UCF, that had been in this spot before and that would be eventually able to pull away. And it was exactly that. UCF wins straight up 38-31. to 31. Um, It was John Rice Plumley, not Mikey Keene. And uh, I think that was the difference because uh, UCF looked really good. And Tulane is kind of trying to play catch up there at the end, but just really never had enough to get it done. Yeah, JRP and that offensive firepower UCF JRP. JRP. Yep, exactly like you said. They've been there before. They know what it takes to win. They've got a winning head coach uh, with some experience in some pretty hostile environments. Uh, and that's what it takes to win on the road, and that's exactly what they get done. So it's looking pretty good for UCF so far. Yeah, I mean, JRP, as you called him, that kid is just electric with his legs. He had a long touchdown run in this game, 176 rushing yards on top of 132 passing yards. So uh, big game for the UCF Knights, big win, no doubt. Um, They'll look to keep the magic going so that they can end up uh, in a New Year's Six Bowl. They've uh, got potential to do that. So, um, But let's move on. Let's go to our third game that we picked last week against the spread. We had an interesting one in the Big 12. It was Kansas State going on the road against Baylor. <laughs> oh, man, the Big 12 got us again. Um, it was the home team, the Baylor Bears, favored by two and a half. We were both on the side of the Bears. We thought this was a good spot for them. And we got got, my guy, Kansas State, 31-3 to is the final score in that one. I mean, what can you say at this point? I'm done with the Big 12, man. (laughs) I don't know. It's just – it's an absolute mystery that I don't think the smartest people could figure out at this point. Uh, Obviously, we'll continue to cover the Big 12 just like uh, the rest of the Power 5 conferences, but – I just – I have no idea anymore. This is getting ridiculous. It is. So, huge win for Kansas State going on the road. We were both picking against them. But uh, really the story in this one for me is uh, you saw a little bit of Adrian Martinez, but then he gets knocked out, and it's Will Howard that comes in. And he looked impressive, almost 200 yards passing, three touchdowns. Deuce Vaughn, the running back, had 100 yards on the ground. Uh, really, though, it's just – Baylor's offense had nothing in this game. Their three points came right. in the second quarter, and they did absolutely nothing in the second half. They looked uh, just pitiful, pitiful. Right. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the second time Adrian Martinez has gone down in a game this season. I believe yeah. he did uh, earlier in the season as well, around like week four, week five. Uh, so, you know, his his health status is really something to look out for. I think that they have enough with their backup quarterback to still win some games, but – Obviously, losing your starting quarterback is a big hurt for the team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they are in a 
decent spot still. Like it's more than likely that they're still going to end up in the Big 12 championship game against TCU. So, uh, you know, they've still got tons to play for on the season, but we just kind of see them be really inconsistent, um, although they are sitting at seven, seven and three. So the curious case of the Big 12 continues. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on actually a, a Big 12 game this week. So um, more to look forward to in that conference, but uh, not easy to pick against the spread whatsoever. Uh, moving out west, you had number 24, Washington, who was seven and two. They were going on the road to number six, Oregon, who was eight and one. So a huge showdown in the Pac-12. And Oregon was a huge favorite at home, 13 and a half that you had to pick them by. And we did. Quickly, I might add, I don't think we really had a ton of discussion on that one. We both felt comfortable with that point, um, with those points. But again, it was the road team, the underdog, going on the road and getting a huge win. The Huskies 37, the Ducks 34. Um, this was the Michael Pinnock show. Yeah, this game came down to the wire. Uh, Oregon quarterback Bo Nix had a chance for his high zone moment at the end of the game, leading a big game-winning drive. Wasn't able to get that done with, I believe, less than a minute left to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, just big offensive game. We knew Michael Penix could do it. We've touched on this Washington team a few other times uh, in the podcast this season. And uh, Michael Penix is, is good. I mean, I think Man. that this Oregon team may be overestimated a little bit. And when you're talking, you know, Washington, Oregon, it's not that big of a travel uh for the Huskies there. So yeah. I think that might've played into it a little bit as well, but big win for the Huskies. Yeah. I mean, it's not a far travel, but Autzen stadium is not an easy place to go into and get a W. I mean, if you tell me this not game is, is being played in Washington, I could, I could understand the score a little bit more, but I was just fully expecting the ducks um, with a lot on the line with a potential playoff berth on the line to come out at home and kind of uh, put on a show. But, uh, like you said, they just weren't able to. Their secondary looked suspect all night long. Michael Penix Jr., 400-plus yards through the air. I mean, he, he just got everything he wanted and more. It was it was quite a showing. Um, he, he proved that uh, he was the better quarterback, at least on Saturday, between him and Bo Nix. So. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You definitely expect more out of Oregon. Uh, neither one of us saw this coming. Uh, but you touched on it, their secondary. I mean, we haven't set – seen that bad of a showing since you know week one against georgia so uh i don't know if it's just you know the the type of play style going on or uh if they just had a bad week so it'll be something to uh pay attention to as we move into this next week and we will touch on another oregon game for sure yeah they still got lots to play for so um we'll we'll revisit the ducks no doubt um, but uh, the fifth of our six picks last week, it was an ACC showdown that we were excited for because we wanted to learn a little bit more about this North Carolina team, a team that we hadn't touched on yet this season. They're sitting at eight and one, but they were going on the road to a Wake Forest team that had an explosive offense and that was favored by three and a half. But it was Drake May and the Tar Heels that come out victorious in an absolute shootout Final score, 36 to 34. Um, this was exactly what we were expecting. Two high-powered offenses, two really good quarterbacks, and uh, it delivered. Yeah, Drake May proved to everybody why he is uh, in somewhat of a conversation for the Heisman race. I don't think he'll get to win it, uh, but 
I mean, the guy's playing, you know, freshman of the year type award right here. Uh, so, you know, this is something very exciting for the Tar Heels, you know, going on. He still has three more years of eligibility. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a very exciting thing to see come from the Tar Heels. Best quarterback they've had in quite a while, if you ask yeah. me. Since uh, maybe Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want to put him above Mitch Trubisky. Sam, yet, uh, Sam Howell, Sam Howell was him. pretty good. He was, uh, but I'll put him above Sam Howell. Obviously, we have very small sample size, yeah. but this guy just has a little bit more that he can do with his arms and uh, Sam Howell. I'll, verdict's still out on Mitch Trubisky for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, May played out of his mind. Nearly 450 passing yards, three touchdowns, added another touchdown on the ground to go along with 71 rushing yards. Um, kid was just elite. The wide receiver, Josh Downs, was a five-star. He looked like a stud, 150 receiving yards. All three of those uh, touchdowns went to him. Uh, Sam Hartman did his best, man. Over 300 yards, four touchdowns, but uh, just no help in the running game. And uh, just ultimately uh, came up just short, kind of ran out of time there at the end. But, um, yeah, North Carolina sitting at 9-1 and one, should have a huge showdown with Clemson in the ACC championship game. So uh, lots to play for here in the final weeks for the Tar Heels. But um, let's move on to the last game that we picked last week. It was number six of our Saturday six. And it was the one that I was personally most excited for because – a team that we have covered probably the most so far this season, if I had to take a guess, is the TCU Horned Frogs. And the Cinderella story continues because they went on the road to the Texas Longhorns in Austin. Texas was a seven-point favorite at home. And TCU gets the upset, knocks them off. Final score is 17-10. to 10. It was a late touchdown by Texas. It was 17-3 to 3 late in that game. Um, this is what we needed to see from TCU, right? Like they've, uh, they've played some close games. They've taken advantage of some injured quarterbacks. We've had questions about the defense, but man, that defense stepped up against Texas because Quinn Ewers did not much. Yeah. And, and we touched on it. Texas is a big first half team. And then they kind of let go in the second half mm-hmm. and TCU is the exact opposite where they're a big second half team. They don't do a lot, whole lot in the first half. And what you saw is, is Texas not being able to play uh, even to that in the first half. Texas did absolutely nothing. Extremely low-scoring game at halftime. And then TCU is able to turn on the Jets like they've done all season and win in the second half. Now, TCU is going to come and see a team that can put up major points in the first half eventually throughout the season, whether it be in the playoffs, uh, national championship, whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've, I'm really yet to see how they're going to respond to something like that or if they can come back in the second half. But, but nonetheless, an impressive win. I think what stood out most to me is this TCU defense. I mean, they really stepped yeah. up and played a hell of a game. Yeah, they really did. Uh, Sonny Dykes has got the Horn Horn Frogs playing really well. They're sitting at 10-0 and 0 now. Um, for me in this game, like uh, for the second week in a row, it hasn't been the Max Duggan show. He had a somewhat uh, just inefficient game. Uh, he didn't turn the ball over, but he only averaged 4.3 yards per attempt, um, or excuse me, per completion. But uh, they're two stars other than Duggan. Those are the guys that we told you to look out for, and those are the guys that stepped up. It was the Kendra Miller show. 
So when that game goes to half and TCU is up three to nothing, that's when I started to think, okay, maybe TCU's got a chance here because we said, right, Texas is the first half team. We we said they're going to get a lead in the first half at halftime. It's going to happen. And then will TCU have enough to come back? They didn't need to come back. They had the lead at half. If you tell me that, I say TCU wins. That's exactly what happens. Um, they come out long 75-yard uh, touchdown run by Miller there in uh, the third early third quarter to put them up 10 to nothing. And then it was Quinston Johnson. Only had three catches, but for 66 yards and a touchdown. So when they really needed a big play, they were able to go to their guy. And uh, it worked out for the Horned Frogs. They moved to 10-0. And a couple big showdowns still left. So the scenario is we'll get into the college football playoff rankings in here here in just a second. But I want to touch on TCU because they control their destiny absolutely. They've got a tough road to get there, though. They've got two more conference games this week against Baylor and then another one next week. And then, like we said, probably playing Kansas State in that Big 12 championship game. So we will touch on the Horn Frogs. We'll ride that train a few more weeks, uh, maybe till the till the wheels fall off. But, um, yeah, just uh, I, I think that was the most impressive performance I've seen out of TCU so far. And they've got some quality wins now, no doubt. But uh, before we move on to this week's picks, let's go ahead and touch on those college football playoff rankings that we talked about because there really wasn't a whole lot of movement, but there is maybe something you should look out for here. So I'll read off the top 10 to you, Tyler, and uh, you tell me what sticks out to you. Coming in at number 10 this week, you got a Utah team that is 8-2, and two, um, but have picked up some really quality r- wins right now, including a win against a team that is ranked ahead of them. you got Clemson coming in at 9 sitting at nine and one on the season. They uh, are the second lowest ranked AC or excuse me, the second lowest ranked one loss team, um, North Carolina being the lowest ranked. Then you got Bama coming in at eight at eight and two USC at seven sitting at nine and one with a loss to number 10 Utah. Then you got LSU at six at eight and two Tennessee at five, still sitting there for the second consecutive week, nine and one. And then the top four remains the same as well. TCU four, Michigan three, Ohio State at two, and Georgia number one. So uh, anything that sticks out to you there, not a whole lot of uh, movement this week, especially in the top five, but uh, six through ten shifted a little bit. What what uh, sticks out to you? Uh, Tennessee at number five. Ever since that Georgia game, they've been playing their brand of football again. They've shown that they are the same Tennessee team team that they were before that Georgia game uh so I think the big thing as long as nothing else changes too drastically before we get to this Ohio State Michigan game in a couple weeks uh the big story there is going to be do you take the lo- the loser of that team and uh are, do they jump Tennessee uh or does Tennessee sneak back in and there's two SEC teams or two Big Ten teams in the final four so uh, that's really interesting to me. I, I think TCU, uh, you know, on a good night could beat either one of those teams potentially. Yeah. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, barring obviously any drastic losses by the top four until that Ohio State Michigan game. 
Right. Yeah. The one thing for me uh, that I'll touch on quickly is if you're a Tennessee fan, you got to root against TCU and you got to root against USC because those are two teams that I think if they went out, they are in the playoff, especially being conference champions. USC's only loss is uh, uh, on a two point conversion to the number 10 ranked team in the country. They have to play UCLA, Notre Dame, and then probably Oregon or they will match up against Utah again. So there's a very real scenario here where they could avenge their only loss and be a one-loss Pac-12 champion. I think that puts them in the playoff along with Georgia in the winner of the Michigan-Ohio State game. Um, and then TCU, obviously, right? If they went out, I think they get in. So um, if you're a Tennessee fan, I think you're rooting against those two programs right now. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. That That's the formula for you. And then uh, just a little bit of favor – from the college football playoff committee as far as, you know, the Ohio state Michigan loser. For sure. All right. Well, let's uh, that's it for the recap. Let's go ahead and jump into a great slate of college football this week. It is week 12. We'll bring it to you. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. let's go baby let's jump right back in we have six games against the spread it is week 12 we have playoff implications at hand we have conference championships at stake there is so much to get into here so let's go ahead and unpack it one at a time six games against the spread that we're picking and uh it's a decent slate so uh for this first one actually Let's head to the Big Ten because we got a huge, huge showdown coming next week. One that we have been expecting to be huge almost all season. And both of those teams, Michigan and Ohio State, are in the spot that we expected them to be. But they both have two games that they've got to get through first. And for Michigan, it's Illinois. You got a 7-3 and three Illinois team going on the road to number three Michigan, who is 10-0. And it's the Wolverines that are favored by a whopping 18 points at home. You got a noon kickoff on ABC. So, like I like to do with these big spreads, it's easy to pick or it's easy to explain how and why Michigan should cover this spread, should win this game. But uh, do you have do you see a scenario in which Illinois could cover this, or is there a chance? Is there a chance that they could spoil Michigan's season right here in week 12? Yeah, there's absolutely a scenario where Illinois is able to cover this game. I don't know so much about when it, but, you know, in it comes in the form of the big implications next week when Michigan has to travel to Ohio State. Big playoff implications, big conference championship game implications here. Uh, could Michigan be sleeping looking ahead to Ohio State and not giving Illinois enough credit for being a good football team? You know, that's something where you catch Michigan a little bit sleepy. Uh, it's an early game that obviously is, you know, favors the away team, like we've said a million times on this podcast. Um, and then Illinois is not a, not a team to sleep on whatsoever. I mean, th yeah. they've got playmakers. They know what it takes to win some of these road games here. So – you know, yeah, there, there, there's a chance that Illinois can't do it. Uh, will it happen? That's another story. 
You yeah. know, Michigan is an incredible team. We've seen so much out of these guys uh, week in, week out, that I don't know if I'm comfortable taking Illinois straight up. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I, I think I agree with you. Like Illinois, obviously, is a good team. Um, they're sitting at seven and three. Brett Bielema's got these guys headed in the right direction. Quarterback Tommy DeVito has looked pretty good this year. That running back Chase Brown, man, we touched on him a few times early in the season, and uh, he hasn't really slowed down since. We haven't covered him since, but uh, man, this kid is an absolute stud. He's put up big numbers all year long. Um, I think if they're able to establish a run and uh, get a push along the line of scrimmage, that's their best chance. But can they stop that vaunted run of the Michigan Wolverines? Because we've seen, we haven't time seen and anybody time again. do it yet. That's what I'm saying. And uh, Michigan hasn't played anybody. I mean, the, the Big Ten schedule that they've played is not that impressive. Best win is over Penn State. And their non-conference schedule is horrid. You're talking about like Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn has had their best season in 20 years and they have six wins. Um, it's just, it's an awful schedule. So we haven't seen them tested yet. I would like to see them tested here just because I want to see, are they resilient? Do they have some fight in them? Because I think they're going to need it next week going on the road to Ohio state. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with you there. Um, I think this is a game where you can certainly see that coming, you know, this as long as you don't stray too far away from what you've been doing all year. And the good thing is, is for Michigan, you want to get out of this game so that you can start looking ahead to Ohio State. Not before the game, but after the game. So the quicker this game is over, the quicker that they can start looking at Ohio State. And I think that's uh, in favor of Michigan as far as this rushing attack. I think that this is a very fast game. I think they chew a lot of clock. Illinois is a similar type of team. Uh, with with their running backs and bell cows that they have in the backfield. So uh, I do expect this to be a little bit low scoring, but I'll take Michigan to cover in the big house any day. Okay. Yeah, I'm leaning the same direction as you. Uh, Michigan, they've got the number one defense as far as points per game allowed, um, holding opponents to about 10 points per game. So it, I it's going to be tricky for Illinois on offense. You you got to limit the turnovers. You got to limit the three and outs because if you're just handing the ball right back to Michigan and your defense is on the field all game, um, it's going to be tough. Uh, it is a noon game, which I think is uh, where Illinois would prefer this to be, being the, the road team. Oh, man. Something is telling me to take Illinois to cover here. Um I'm right there on the fence. I, I couldn't, you know, talk any kind of trash if you did. I'm okay. right there on the fence. Yeah, I, I've i just got a gut feeling that Illinois covers 18. That is just a little bit higher than I would like it to be. Um, the, they're sitting at 7-3, and three, lost some games that they definitely could have won. Um, up until last week, it was looking like they were going to be in the Big Ten championship game. So I, I'm going to take the fighting Illini here to cover that 18. Maybe – like, is it a 34 to 17 game where they win by 17? Uh, very real scenario here. So, uh, I'll take the fighting Illini against the spread. I, I still like Michigan to win this game and uh, get themselves set up for a huge showdown next week. But, um, so we're on different sides through one. Let's go to number two. It's a team that we have touched on many times. 
and we will continue to do so because it's the Cinderella story of the season. The number four team in the country, the TCU Horn Frogs, ten and zero. But there's a but in there, a big juicy one. They're going on the road to a Baylor team that is six and four and is only a two and a half point dog to the number four team in the country. So if you're thinking hammer TCU in this game, Vegas is telling you to pump your brakes. It's a noon kickoff on Fox. Explain it. Explain the two and a half points. My brother, my friend, my co-host, <laughs> we have got to stop covering these big, big 12 games because oh I don't God. know what Vegas is. I don't know what Vegas is seeing. Yes, it's at Baylor, but I haven't seen a darn thing out of Baylor this season that gives that allows me to give them any chance in this game. I'm the guy you're speaking of when you say if you're thinking hammer TCU, because I'm hammering TCU here. I think that this game uh, is is one where, especially if TCU's defense plays like they did last week, man, this could get out of hand. Baylor, Baylor could you know come very close to you know not scoring many points at all. And you know this TCU offense has what it takes. Yeah, we've seen a little bit of a regression in Max Duggan, but you know, at some point you got to let the animal out of the cage. And if you're caging him up the past couple weeks, he's going to take it out on somebody. So, yeah, I am that guy. I'm hammering TCU big. I think okay. that this is a, a win that they win handedly. Uh, and for another reason uh, that spoke to you, you know, off camera for a little bit earlier. TCU is one of those teams that if they lose a game this year, in order to stay in this college football playoff, they've got to pass the eye candy test, you know, and and in order to pass the eye candy test, there's only one way to do that. And it's score points and it's score a lot of them. Uh, So I think, I think, right. I think TCU knows that. And I think that they, even though they haven't lost yet, I think they're they're gonna just go ahead and pass that eye candy test. That way, you know, if a loss does come somewhere along down the line, um, that it, it doesn't hurt them as bad because they've already got that test checked off the list. No, I, I I hear everything you're saying, and I I agree with all of it. I think uh, this is a TCU team that I've I've been riding all year. I I told you early in the season that I thought this was a good team. Um, I don't know that I would have picked them to go 10-0 and 0 to this point, um, but they've impressed, and it's because that uh, they just figure a, figure a way out. Like, they get in these holes early and often, and they somehow figure out a way to crawl out of that hole, whether it's Max Duggan or Kendra Miller or Quentin Johnson or a combination of the trio. And, it, and then when we have questions about them, well, what's their defense look like? Or can they go on the road to a big opponent? They prove that they can do those things as well. Um, this is a team that is uh, got a lot to play for right now, and and Baylor really doesn't. This was a Baylor team that uh, I want to say I predicted to win the Big Twelve earlier this year uh, in the preseason. So uh, disappointing to see them at six and four, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take Don't the Baylor it. Bears at home, a team that lost to Kansas State. 31 to 3 last week. A Kansas State team that lost to TCU. It just feels like the spot. It feels like the spot where TCU has done it week after week after week somehow. 
And it just feels like at some point it's it's going to happen. At some point they're going to get in a hole and not be able to dig themselves out of it. At uh, a, a good Baylor squad who has head coach Dave Aranda, former LSU defensive coordinator, he can scheme it up on defense. Now they didn't prove that last week against Kansas State, but the offense didn't help them out committing turnovers. So if, if they're able to feed Richard Reese and get him going a little bit, get the crowd into it, can they slow down this offense? Can they maybe force Duggan into a bad throw? Can they bottle up Kendra Miller a little bit? Now, that's a lot of ifs. I'll admit it. But I just got a feeling here, man. Vegas is telling us that this is going to be a close game. And I, I just got to buy into it, man. I, I, I don't know um, that I have a ton of confidence in this pick. And I honestly feel bad. For going against a Horn Frogs team that I've believed in all year, a team that I actually I want to say I picked against them for the first time last week and I was wrong. They beat Texas and I was expecting Texas to win that game comfortably. But something is just screaming Baylor here to me, man. I I gotta take the Bears. I gotta do it. I, I I've picked one upset correctly so far this year, picking Notre Dame to beat Clemson. And I think this is another spot where we see a huge upset. The number four team in the country goes down and potentially spoils their shot at the college football playoff. It's bold, my guy. I'll give you that. It's a bold pick. It's bold, and that's why I love it, man. You know I, you know I like those hot takes. I can't uh, seem to stay away from them. So uh, let's see if I can go 2-0 on upsets this year. Um, moving on to our third game, we'll head to the ACC for what looks like on paper, like it should be a blowout. But there's a sneaky little bit of intrigue around this game. You got Miami, the Hurricanes, under first-year head coach Mario Cristobal, have had a disappointing season, and there's really no other way to say it. They're sitting at 5-5, five and five, but they're going on the road to a number nine-ranked Clemson team that's sitting at 9-1. and one. Now, Clemson's only not loss, we just touched on it, was against Notre Dame. They still control their destiny in the ACC. They'll have a matchup against North Carolina. Looks like they might need some help to get into the playoff. They are big 19-point favorites at home, 330 kickoff on ESPN. What is the recipe for Miami in this game? Because their quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, has looked okay this year. Um, not super impressive. And uh, they've, they've looked at times like they – are being coached by a first-year head coach. I mean, you see those transitions are not easy to make, and uh, Mario Cristobal has got his hands full. But this is a Clemson team that hasn't looked elite in weeks past. So, uh, what could we be in? Uh, what could be in store for us here? Miami needs to make this Clemson defense uncomfortable. It's a defense that they've been relying on heavily for the nine wins that they do have. Uh, not not a whole lot of impressive things going on on offense. Obviously, it's kind of a toss-up whether we get DJ Uyungle, uh at quarterback or not, given uh, he's been pulled a couple times this season now for the freshman. Uh, so, you know, Miami, yes, they do have to play somewhat of a perfect game. Uh, the thing that stands out to me is uh, that the Miami schedule, their wins and losses. I mean, the games that they are winning, they're, you know, either should win handily because it's a division two, you know, cupcake game or uh, 
or they're just barely winning these games that they that they should be winning. And then their losses are blowout losses. Almost all of them. Other than the UNC, they played North Carolina very close. But other than that, they are getting blown out. I mean, they got blown out by Middle Tennessee State. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah, man. they played a little bit of a better game against Texas A&M, but a trash team. Yeah, they get how many wins blown- does Texas A&M have? Three? Exactly. They get blown out by Duke. They get blown out by Florida State. And they're just barely winning against Georgia Tech. Virginia went to four overtimes, and they win by two points. Wow. They just barely – they pull out a win against Virginia Tech by less than a touchdown. Uh, so, you know, it's a team – yeah, you could say first-year head coach, whatever, but you can't blame it all on the head coach either. There's a talent gap. So Miami needs to make – the best part of Clemson feel uncomfortable and then they have a fighting chance in this. Yeah. This one's tough for me because uh, although, you know, these teams are just on different spectrums right now, as far as their relevance in college football, this is not a Clemson team that we've seen win games convincingly this year. Um, You got to go back to week six against Boston college That was the last time they beat a team by 18 points. And that's a Boston College team that's got three wins on the season. So that spread is just really high, man. If we're talking – I mean, if we're even talking like 15, then I feel comfortable with Clemson here. 14, I'll hammer Clemson. Man, 19 – oh, it's sitting at 19. I thought it was 18. That's even worse. Oh, man. 19. That's really tough. You gotta, you gotta take them to win a, a game by almost three touchdowns. A team that hasn't done that in six weeks. That's just really tough for me. So, uh, did you did you make a pick? Did you take Clemson? Uh, I did not. I'm actually I'm gonna go Hurricanes to cover the spread. Clemson to win straight up here. Okay, I think I'm leaning the same direction. Is, 19 is too high for me as well. I gotta agree with you there. I feel like 19 is too high. I feel like this Miami team is better than that Boston College team. Um, We've seen close games six out of the last seven weeks for Clemson. This is an overmatched Miami team, but not 19 points. I I just – I've got to see it from Clemson before I can buy into them anymore. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're both picking the Hurricanes against the spread. Clemson straight up. We are uh, two for two or two for three, excuse me, on picking the same team so far. So um, not bad for us. We've got three more games, though, to pick against the spread. We got another Big Ten team that I want to touch on because we talked about that huge showdown next week. You got number two Ohio State sitting pretty at 10 and 0, but they're going on the road to a pesky Maryland team that is sitting at six and four. But it's the Buckeyes that are huge 27-and-a-half-point favorites on the road, 330 on ABC. What does Maryland have to do to keep this within four touchdowns? Get lucky. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, no, in in all seriousness, you know, it's the same thing for Ohio State as it was for Michigan. You know, Ohio State, yeah, you got to look a little bit ahead to Michigan, you know. And this being a, a home game for Ohio State, the faster that you can get out of this Maryland game and the least banged up you can, the better. 
And, you know, for that reason, you know, Ohio State's had a turnstile of running backs this season with injuries, whatnot. So, you know, big question mark there as far as who you're going to get at running back. But I think Ohio State wants to get this lead quickly in the first quarter, not give it back, and just make this a fast game that they can get out of as quick as possible so that they can start rehabbing, getting healthy, getting 100% uh, in game planning for Michigan, you know. So I, it's tough because Ohio State can hang 28 points on probably any team in the country any given week, uh, given the right formula here. Uh, but it being a road game, I think that they, they want to get back to uh, back to Ohio uh, and for that reason, I think that they just kind of, you know, hurry this game along, kind of sweep it under the rug, get it over with, you know, come out with the win, obviously. And uh, that gives Maryland, you know, a, a chance in this, does it not? Yeah, I, I'm i right there a with you. A chance to cover, not a chance to win. Right, right. I don't think the Terrapins have a shot to win this game. Um, I think this Ohio State team has got to – championships on their mind whether that's a big 10 or a national championship i think they've got a lot to play for and uh i don't know you you touched on it for me it's like the health is the big concern right now for ohio state we we know that they lost uh their best wide receiver jackson smith and jigma early in the season we haven't seen him for for many many weeks now but it's looking like that maybe he wasn't even their best receiver like this marvin harrison jr kid uh obviously he, he's got a leg up uh when it comes to um the guy that is uh probably training him most of the time or at least when he was growing up so uh they've just got weapons galore cj stroud has looked good this season um he's obviously a heisman candidate but for some reason it just leaves me wanting a little bit more each week like he's it, been impressive but not uh like he's not pulling away with the Heisman Trophy, which I feel like he probably should be at this point. Um, Maryland doesn't have a, a whole lot going on outside of Talia uh, Tungavailoa. Um, you probably recognize that last name, little brother of Tua Tungavailoa, the Dolphins quarterback, um, former Alabama quarterback. So outside of him, not a ton going on. You you t- uh, you mentioned one of their receivers before the podcast uh, that. Um, it's got some breakaway speed and can go up and high point the ball, but, um, man, that 27 and a half, it's such a big number. It's, it's, it's really tough. I think, uh, it being on the road also makes it even harder. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I should also take Maryland against the spread here. Is there anything I'm overlooking? I mean, just the fact that Ohio state loves to score and they do it with such ease um, you know, gives it a chance that, you know, do they run up the score just because that's what they do and they have that kind of high-powered offense? Yes, I think it's a very real possibility. But, you know, I'm going to go with what I said earlier. I'm going to take Maryland to cover, obviously, Ohio State straight up. I think that Ohio State just wants out of this game. It's a meaningless game to them as long as they get the W. Uh, so I think that they just try to get out of there as fast uh, as possible with as few uh, injuries and things and whatnot as possible. Yeah. The running backs, Mayan Williams, um, Travion Henderson, they're already really banged up. So I think if you're having to go down to your number three running back um, on the road, 
You know, it's not a place where you want to be. All your eyes are clearly, all your attention is clearly on next week. Um, I hate picking against the Buckeyes in this spot, but I think I'm also going to roll with Maryland here. That's just a huge spread, and I, I don't love picking numbers that high. I'd rather stay away from this game altogether. I would recommend that you do as well. But uh, I, I'll take Maryland, and uh, I mean, like 40 to 14, that covers, right? So It covers. Yeah. I'm not picking again. I don't think either one of us are picking against Ohio State. I just think that it's better for Ohio State in the long term not to not cover sh- the spread and yeah. to just get the hell out of Maryland. Right. You don't you don't need style points. You just need a W, whether that's by one or 27 and a half, you know. So uh, both on the same side again. Only picked one uh, different game so far. But we've got two more to touch on, and I think these are potentially the best two games of the week because – uh, th- these are potentially um, a Pac-12 semifinal, if you uh, if you would. You got number seven USC sitting at nine and one, only loss to number ten Utah, but they're going on the road against number sixteen UCLA. It's a huge rivalry game. UCLA sitting at eight and two, but it's the road team, the Trojans, that are favored by two. 8 o'clock night game kickoff on Fox. And like I said, lots on the line here for the Trojans and the Bruins. So uh, what are your initial thoughts? And uh, I'll get your pick from you in just a second. Man, the star power on both sides of the ball is absolutely fascinating to me. I mean, both of these squads have absolutely everything that you want. Obviously, USC side, you got Caleb Williams, Heisman contender, You got Jordan Addison, probably the best wide receiver in college football. And then on the flip side, you have Dorian Thompson Robinson that's been playing out of his mind. He's a really solid quarterback. Zach Charbonnet, probably one of the better running backs in the league right now as well. So uh, (laughs) obviously I expect a ton of offense in this game, you know, not only that, obviously, Pac-12 game, we expect lots of offense and very little defense from the sure. Pac-12 generally. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, dude, you said it. Playoff implications here for both teams. I mean, you're talking about a trip to the Pac-12 championship on the line potentially. And, and you know, for USC, that loss completely takes them out of it, does it not? And then yeah. so, so much going on here. Uh, which is why Vegas is is just giving the Trojans the slight edge here at minus two. Um, but I'm, I, I got to go underdog. I got to go home team. Uh, these Bruins have looked great. I think that they play amazing uh, when the light is shining the brightest here. And I've seen USC, you know, slip up a couple times, maybe a couple close games that they shouldn't have uh, yeah. along with that one loss that they already have. Uh, so, I got to take the Bruins, man. I, I like them in this matchup. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think, um, you know, this is a really big spot for both of these teams. Um, a huge rivalry, like I said. Um, star power, I mean, absolutely. Talking about Caleb Williams, um, Heisman front runner, um, Jordan Addison, the wide receiver. Um, they've got plenty of weapons. The defense, though, I mean, the, it's just non existent. 
I mean, it's it's uh, if you're if you're an offensive player for UCLA, specifically a playmaker, you got to be licking your chops looking at this matchup because uh, they've just proven that they're not able to stop anybody. Um, and like you said, DTR, the quarterback for the Bruins, uh, he's looked electric this season. Um, only loss, um, or excuse me, um, their loss uh, to Oregon was the only game that he hasn't looked great in. Um, I was also leaning underdog in this game. I feel like USC has got um, a lot to play for, obviously, but two tough matchups in UCLA and Notre Dame over the next two weeks. So uh, I don't know. I just haven't been impressed with USC. Um, they obviously lost that game to Utah on a two-point conversion. Um, played tight against Oregon State. Um, those are both two ranked teams, but, um, man, I don't know. Uh, something's telling me to take the Bruins here as well. You said you, did you make your final pick? You're taking the Trojans or I'm, I'm sorry. You're taking UCLA. Yeah. I'm going to take UCLA, uh, straight up. Okay. Oh man. I think just to be different from you, I'm going to take USC. I don't have a ton of confidence in that pick. I want to say uh, coming into the podcast, I was leaning towards UCLA. So if I go against my gut here and end up on the wrong side, I'm going to hate myself for it. But it's only two. If it was three or three and a half, I think I might uh, be more likely to take UCLA. But I think USC has got enough firepower here um, to pull this one off. Um, I don't know if they beat Notre Dame next week, but uh, obviously that's next week. So. Um, yeah, I think, I think USC has got just enough on the road here to get a huge win and, uh, set up a massive showdown before they get to that PAC 12 championship. So, uh, we'll, we'll be on different sides for that one, just to make that graphic look a little bit prettier. All right, let's dive into this last matchup. Like I said, another one in the PAC 12 that is basically a de facto semifinal for that conference championship game, because you got number 10, Utah sitting at eight and two on the season going on the road to Autzen Stadium to face off against the number 12-ranked Oregon Ducks, who are also 8-2. and two. And again, it's the higher-ranked road team that is favored by two. But, <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. You got Pac-12 after dark, 10.30 kickoff Eastern time on ESPN. Could we see some craziness? I mean, it's Pac-12 after dark. It's got to be on the way. Yeah, there's definitely some craziness uh, about to happen here. These are such evenly matched teams here that it makes it so hard. And that's why you see a two-point spread right here in favor of Utah right now. Uh, both of these teams are so similar. They've got the offense. They both have very solid defenses, uh, probably two of the best defenses in the Pac-12. And uh, it's a tough one because, you know, at first you, you see – these teams and you know you want to give a slight edge to the home team at Oregon but then when we rewind back to last week and we see what Oregon did at home it kind of gives you a little bit of cause for concern where these Utah Utes man I mean they're firing on all cylinders obviously yeah. you know two losses one of those was very early in the season uh and then their second loss you know they've kind of put behind them at this point uh and you know they're looking forward again Big uh, Pac-12 implications here for for both teams. You know, they both have a, a fighting chance if they can get that ninth win this week. 
I think I'm going to go Utah just because at first I wanted Oregon, and I feel like this is one that's just <laughs> going to prove me wrong here again. So yeah. uh, this one's a flip of the coin for me, honestly. I could see it going either way. I think this is a very close game. I don't think either one of these teams really pulls out to a convincing win, but yeah. I'm going to give Utah the slight edge here. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I think, um, you know, again, like I said, we, we're seeing the higher-ranked team that is going on the road and that is favored by two. Um, I've said it time and time again, but if you think these teams are equally matched, usually Vegas will favor that home team by a field goal. So that's Vegas telling you that they think Utah is the better team here. And after watching the way that Oregon's secondary looked last week against Washington, I might have to tend to agree with them because Utah's quarterback Cam Rising is a stud. He's a fifth-year senior. I mean, he's exhausted all his eligibility. He's been around. He's won games. And this Utah team is physical, man. They're tough. They play good defense. You mentioned that. And um, if you told me two weeks ago to pick this game, I might would take Oregon. But after watching them and their performance last week at home, I don't know if you're Utah, if you go into that game worried about that atmosphere because obviously it's loud. Obviously those fans are passionate. But we saw a Washington team that I think this Utah team is better than go into there and get a huge win last week. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. This one's tough for me. I, I'm feeling like Utah covers this spread as well. Um, this was also let, – let's not forget, I don't love to compare years. But these two teams played twice last year, and it wasn't even close both times. Like, Oregon got absolutely destroyed by Utah last season twice. Oregon's a better team this year, though. Well, hey, that's why we play the games, right, baby? Because we've got to find out. If You're saying Oregon's a better team than they were last year? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, Utah may be a better team than they were last year. I would agree with that as well. Both, both things can be true. So uh, I'm also going to pick the Utes here to get a big win on the road against Oregon, setting up um, what I think will be USC versus Utah and what sounds like you think will be Utah-UCLA in the Pac-12 championship game. So, um, yeah, lots to look forward to in the Pac-12, obviously, and lots to look forward to all across college football. Those are our six picks against the spread. Um, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, guys, if you enjoy it, please give us a rating. Please give us a follow. Um, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And, uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram at Saturday6Pod. Um, it's been great. Another week in the books, college football. We love it, man. We we love bringing it to you guys every week. Any final thoughts from you, my guy? Uh, no. I love uh, going to sit down and do this podcast. Uh, looking forward to recapping these games next week. And uh, next week, man, it's even more exciting. The Next week's matchups are going to be fantastic. Make yep. sure you tune in. Absolutely. That's it for AJ and Tyler. This is the Saturday Six Pod. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. See ya.